Welcome to Singing in Harmony with Heaven, a podcast in which we explore the ever-youthful, living tradition of Catholic sacred music and its renewal in the Church and our world today. As I mentioned last week, we are in the process of looking at the three most essential keys to the renewal of Catholic sacred music. Once again, they are, number one, our ongoing personal conversion, number two, the pursuit of wisdom in regard to sacred liturgical music, and number three, the faithful application of this wisdom by each person according to their sphere of responsibility. But before proceeding to examine the second of these keys, I do need to address a couple of concerns which have come up in conversation since my last podcast. The first concern is this, that while you or I might have the capacity to appreciate and use the keys described here, anything we do with them might seem to be, as it were, a drop in the bucket in relation to the great needs we see in the liturgical life of the church today. Or on the other hand, we might simply hope, or be tempted to give up hope, that others who are in a position of authority will use such keys and thus affect the renewal of sacred music in our parishes and dioceses. And of course, there is no guarantee that our fidelity in these matters will bring about the kind of widespread renewal which we need and long for. My point is not to promote a naive optimism, but rather to show that each one of us who is listening to this podcast or reading this blog has concrete tasks to accomplish by the grace of God, which by their nature will contribute significantly to the authentic renewal of our liturgies and their sacred music. Mother Teresa knew that she could not serve all the poor and suffering people in Calcutta. But in helping one person at a time, she was able to accomplish something truly beautiful for God. Similarly, most of us are not in a position to directly make changes on a large scale, perhaps not even in our own parish. But each of us can do significant things, seen by our Father who sees in secret which will advance the work of renewal. I will be elaborating more upon this next week as we consider the third key which has been given to us. The second concern, before I get to, to the second key, which has come up since last week, is this. In speaking of our need for ongoing conversion, do I realize the extent to which such a call might be made unintelligible by the level of noise, stimulation, and dependence on social media that permeates our culture? And do I realize that when people's minds are constantly filled with an onslaught of words, thoughts, sounds, images, many of which might be morally degrading, that my talk of repentance and metanoia and of growth and holiness and wisdom might seem to belong to another planet? Yes, I'm acutely aware of this great obstacle, and as an educator, I share the deep anguish of seeing our children so easily pulled into this addictive anti-culture. 
This fact, however, doesn't in any way negate the need for our own personal conversion, but rather makes it all the more urgent. And for those of us who have ourselves been pulled into this dictatorship of noise and media dependence, our conversion might well necessitate our acknowledging the problem, it does necessitate our acknowledging the problem, and pursuing a process of weaning, cleansing, and healing. Whatever our starting point in the process of metanoia, we are all in radical need of God's grace and the support of others. As difficult as it is to make a quick transition from this back to the second key of renewal, I must do so now. As mentioned earlier, this key is the faithful pursuit of wisdom as it relates specifically to the realm of sacred music. As simple as this might sound, it is a rare commodity in the church today. Through no fault of their own, or so it seems, there has been a major lacuna for some time now in the formation of clergy, church musicians, and lay people in this regard. Here's what I mean specifically by this pursuit of wisdom. First, there is a treasure trove of church teaching on the subject, reflecting the collective genius of the centuries and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, which gives much-needed insight and guidance for all who will be responsible for the sacred liturgy and its music. And yet, following the lead of a culture which regards history and tradition with suspicion, if not indifference, these insightful teachings on our great treasure of sacred music have been widely neglected. This needs to be fixed. It is beginning to be addressed effectively in some seminaries, universities, and other institutions. But beyond these good initiatives, these teaching documents are easily accessible to everyone today through the internet and through books. I will include a list of some of the most important of these at the end of the, this blog post, which can be found at pauljernberg.com. Second, in our study of these teachings and the sacred traditions upon which they are founded, we need to seek a mature understanding of the concepts which they present and the principles upon which they are based. It's not enough to simply get the rules straight, although that can be a good starting point. For example, words such as decorum, solemnity, glorification, edification, holiness, beauty, and universality all point to realities that are fundamental to our understanding of sacred music. Each one of them is like a well from which we can draw ever more deeply in our reflection and conversation. Do we take this path of understanding, or are we content with a superficial approach? And do we reflect upon the reasons for the various disciplines and directives which have been issued by the Church? not out of disrespect, but rather out of love for truth, and so that we can be faithful in spirit as well as in letter. Third, assuming that we have gotten a good grasp of the church teachings on sacred music and their underlying principles, we also need to understand how these fit into the much bigger picture of the life of the church and our own individual lives. 
Given the many pressing needs in a given parish or community, just where does the renewal of sacred music fit into our list of priorities? We need to see that the music in our liturgies is not primarily a matter of aesthetic packaging or pleasing the sophisticated few, but more importantly, it's a matter of the integrity of our worship, of allowing people from all walks of life to enter fully into its life-giving mystery. And this mystery is the source from which all our other activities and ministries derive their meaning and power. Fourth, in applying this knowledge and understanding to the real situations we encounter, we are in great need of wisdom in the art of dealing with people. I've already touched upon this before in talking about our personal conversion, but we also need to reflect deeply upon its application in regard to the implementation of sacred music renewal, which can be a very sensitive subject for many people. Do we know how to combine fidelity, charity, prudence, and courage with integrity? Do we respect the need for a step-by-step path of discovery and learning without capitulating to the resistance and pressures we might encounter along the way? This, I think, is a lifelong learning process for most of us, and one which requires study, reflection, and unceasing prayer. So, this pursuit of wisdom in regard to sacred music is something that is accessible and vitally important for clergy and church musicians. But it is also within the reach of other lay people, who by their knowledge and understanding can be a source of insight and encouragement for others. And while such wisdom does not eliminate conflicts of musical taste and opinion, it does provide reliable orientation points by which one can transcend such conflicts and foster a unity that is based on truth and love. Thank you for joining me. I look forward to receiving your input and questions. And until next time, Let's keep praying with great confidence and hope in God. Amen.